Man, I'd like to compliment Cleveland, man. Um, they did what was required for victory, and you got to acknowledge that. Um, I thought they controlled the line of scrimmage, particularly in the second half. Um, if you can't slow down Chubb, man, you can't beat this group. And, and we kind of knew that, and we didn't get it done. And so we got to own, own the outcome, and we will. Um, and so there's not a lot really to talk about. We got to look at this tape and learn and, and get better and get better very fast. The more things change, the more they stay the same for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Despite getting younger and more mobile with quarterback, despite upgrading the offensive line during the offseason, the offense is still freaking pathetic. And despite upgrading the front seven on defense, the Steelers still can't stop the run. So what is the problem, guys? Why are we seeing the same results like we saw last year? I'll try to answer that. Plus, we'll go over Penn State's absolute dominating victory on the road at Auburn and much more coming up on Montreal Madness. What is up, guys? You are listening to the Montreal Madness Podcast with your host, Tony Montreal. There's no denying that the Steelers have a lot of problems going on right now. The quarterback play is under par. The offensive line continues to struggle. They have no consistency at running the ball. And the front seven is still complete dog shit at stopping the run. Now on defense, you can say, Oh, well, TJ Watt is hurt, and that's the reason why they can't stop the run. Well, TJ played all but one or two games last season, and they were still ranked 32nd, dead last, in run defense. And on offense, you can say the exact same thing. New faces, especially a quarterback, new offensive line coach, new players on the offensive line, and they still can't score 20 or more points offensively. Now, I don't care. You may not like this, but Mike Tomlin, he is the common denominator behind it all, and he deserves most of the blame. Tomlin is the one who assembled this team. Tomlin is the one who uh, who hires his coaching staff, including Matt Canada, who everyone loves to bash on, and deservedly so. But it's Mike Tomlin who's behind the makeup of this team. And for all you Tomlin lovers, spare me the no losing seasons talk. That doesn't mean shit if you can't win a playoff game for six consecutive years going on seven and three playoff wins since 2010. And you guys also conveniently leave out the part, though, where he has a losing record in the postseason. Now let's get real here. Now you can deny this all you want, but it's the undeniable truth. The only reason why Mike Tomlin is heralded as this great, uh, as this great head coach and especially this great defensive-minded head coach is because he inherited a Super Bowl winning team. I don't care how much you want to deny that fact, it's true, okay? That was Bill Cowher's team that he assembled, but he decided but he decided to retire a year after winning his first and only Super Bowl, okay? Bill Cowher could have easily won a Super Bowl with that team that Mike Tomlin had back in 2008, and I can argue that he would have won um, maybe uh, another Super Bowl um, with that team as well. But that's neither here or there, okay? 
Mike Tomlin inherited a Hall of Fame quarterback. He inherited a Hall of Fame defense. Plus, he also had arguably one of the greatest defensive coordinators to ever coach the game in Dick LeBeau, helping him out on defense. And is it a coincidence that ever since Dick LeBeau left, and ever since all those players uh, that Tomlin had beginning his career, is it a coincidence that the Steelers' defense since then has been average or below average the past decade? You know, people love to say that the Steelers every year are top five defense. Well, since 2010, since their last Super Bowl appearance, they've had one top five defense in the league, and that was in 2019. That was it. The only time they've been ranked as an overall top five defense. One time since 2010. 12 years. Now, I would like to think that a great defensive-minded head coach would be able to assemble a pretty good defense year in and year out. And I'm here to tell you as well, you know, Mike Tomlin He's all about making splash plays. You know, we got to get splash plays on defense if we want to be good. It's all about splash, splash, splash. That doesn't win you freaking games, okay? Look at Cleveland. Look at Cleveland last night. They didn't make one freaking splash play. You know what they did? They ran the ball down the Steelers' freaking throat, and they held them to 17 points, only two touchdown drives, and that's it. And that was all without making a freaking splash play. You don't need splash on defense to win games. You need to be an 11-man collective unit, you know, doing your specific job and putting all 11 guys out there um, in the best possible position to do their job. Tomlin doesn't do that. He's not an X's and O's coach. He doesn't come up with these elaborate game plans on defense to try to slow down the opposing team's offense. No, all he does is he hopes that T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, or Minka Fitzpatrick go out and make splash plays. Well, that doesn't freaking work. And how much longer is it going to take for all you Tomlin lovers out there to realize that it doesn't work as well? You know, you can't rely on... A freak of nature, T.J. Watt being your entire freaking defense. You can't have it. You, you, you're not a good defense when you rely on one, two, or even three guys out there. You know, a defense, you know, any football expert out there will tell you that a defense is operated as an 11-man collective unit. It's not just one, two, or even three guys. It's all 11 guys out there doing their job. And Mike Tomlin has failed to do that Ever since all of Cowher's players, like the Palomalos, the Harrisons, the Farriers, the Clark Hagans, the Aaron Smith, Casey Hamptons of that defense, whenever they all left and retired, whenever Dick LeBeau left and retired, is it a coincidence that Steelers have never been the same on defense? Is it? No. It's Mike Tomlin. He's the common denominator. What's it going to take for everybody else to realize that fact as well? I don't know. Like I said, it's already been six years without a playoff win. What are we gonna, are we gonna go to, huh? Eight, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years without a playoff win to realize, oh, maybe Mike Tomlin isn't the guy who we thought he was, huh? Well, yeah, I could have told you that five or six years ago. Now, is it all Mike Tomlin's fault? No. Now, there's a lot of other factors that go into it as well. I understand that. I acknowledge that. But with the power he has to be able to hire whoever he sees fit on his coaching staff with the power he has to 
draft players on draft day. You know, you can say all you want about how the GM, you know, drafts a player. You mean to tell me you think Kevin Colbert or now the new GM, uh, Omar Khan, you think they're just going to draft a player without Mike Tomlin's approval? No, if Mike Tomlin wants a guy in the draft, they're taking that guy, okay? Mike Tomlin has that power within this organization. So far, the past five, six, seven years now, simply hasn't cut it. And how much longer are you are you going to put up with it as well? I know I'm fed up. I've been fed up for the past four or five years. When are you going to finally be fed up? I don't know, but something's got to change, and it's got to change fast. And if you tell me, if you want to get to, if you want to solve the actual problem on this team, you want to get to the root cause behind this team, look no further than your beloved head coach, Mike Tomlin. Now, diving a little bit into last night's game. You know, there's not a lot to talk about. It's the same exact stuff that I was just talking about earlier, where the defense can't stop the run, and they can't generate a pass rush, and when the Steelers can't generate a pass rush, their secondary, despite the additions they made, still isn't good enough in pass coverage. And as far as the offense looked, uh, you know, they did look a little better. You know, they were taking a lot more shots down the field. I saw throws that were deep intermediate routes into the middle of the field. I saw that stuff last night. That's a good thing. I was actually shocked to see uh, how many plays that they called where Mitch Trubisky threw the ball down the field. Uh, I, I like that. That was very encouraging. And they did have a couple good drives that resulted in touchdowns, and they looked pretty good on those drives. But the Steelers' big problem is they can't do it on a consistent basis, one. And two, when it matters the most, in crunch time, in the fourth quarter, they went three and out, three and out, three and out. Three of their last four drives ended in a three and out. That simply is unacceptable. That doesn't win you football games. You know, you can't win football games whenever you're only scoring two offensive touchdowns a game. Now, the funny thing is, you know, even with the improvement, you know, they still only doubled their touchdown total offensively. They had one offensive touchdown in week one, one offensive touchdown in week two. So they did double their uh, touchdown output from the first two weeks. But that, to me, just shows how bad they really are in offense. I mean, if that's a big improvement, uh, doubling your touchdown output through the first two weeks, I mean, my God, how much more pathetic can you really get on offense? And to make matters worse, after the game against the Jets next week at home, they play their next four games. They play on the road at Buffalo. They play at home against Tampa. Then they play on the road against the Dolphins and on the road against Philly. How many games are they going to win in that four-game stretch? Huh? One? If they're lucky? Uh, you know the Eagles. They are one of the most, one of the best rushing teams in the NFL, if not the best. Uh, you would think that's a win for the Eagles, like right off the bat, because the Steelers can't stop the run. The Bills, uh, you know Josh Allen and company. The way they're playing, Steelers could lose by five scores, guys, in that game. Then Tampa Bay comes in. Well, holy shit, it's Tom Brady. You think the Steelers are gonna win that one, especially about T.J. Watt? I don't think so. Really, realistically, the only 
shot at a win during that four-game stretch is the Dolphins. And that's just because I still don't think, despite all the weapons Tua has, I, I still don't think he's that great of a quarterback. Um, I know what he did against the Ravens last week was phenomenal in the fourth quarter. I personally think that's a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, so I could see the Steelers beating the Dolphins, but that's the only team I see them beating during that four-game stretch. I mean, if they beat the Jets, and if they would beat the Dolphins, that still leaves them at 3-5 and five heading into the bye. That is a recipe for disaster right there. And if Mike Tomlin, if he's going to make any changes to the quarterback position, if they go 2-6, and 3-5 and five heading into the bye, that would be the time Kenny Pickett comes in. You know, that's just basically signaling, hey, the Steelers, you know, they've basically lost the season um, to the first half of the year. They're not coming back and making a postseason run or anything like that. They're just going to throw the kid in there, Kenny Pickett, see what he can do. No pressure whatsoever. They're not going to put all that weight on his shoulders to go out and win games uh, and make a great comeback run in the second half of the year to make the playoffs. That's that's not going to happen. Uh, that just, just realistically, just come on, take your steel goggles off. That's not going to happen at all. So, yeah, the, the outlook for the Steelers following this game is bleak at best. I have them going 3-5 and five the rest of the year, and that's being nice. Probably realistically, 2-6 and six, uh, till the bye week. And, you know, I said a couple weeks ago where I really, I really thought that with all the changes they made, both on defense and on offense, that they would be a hell of a lot better than what they are right now. You know, after beating the Bengals, I thought they'd go uh, 4-0 heading into the Week 5 matchup with Buffalo. Boy, was I ever freaking wrong. Holy crap, was that ever a bad take. 4-0? What in the the hell was I thinking, for crying out loud? Holy crap. It's, It's not looking good for your Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no signs of hope on the horizon. The only thing... The only glimmer of hope that we Steeler fans have is Kenny Pickett, but I don't even think Kenny Pickett would change a Jurassic outlook um, of how the Steelers uh, would play the rest of the year. You know, he, like I said, he might be able to add a, maybe another score or two um, offensively, but I still don't. I still don't think that that would win you a lot of games, especially with the matchups they have coming up against the Bills, the Bucks, the Dolphins, and the Eagles. I mean, that's one hell of a stretch for any team to go through, let alone this pathetic shit show of a Steeler team. So will we finally see a losing team under 500 for the first time since 2003? If I had to put a bet on it, it's looking very true that that bet would cash out in my favor. Take John Allen up the middle. Allen into the secondary. He's all the way down to the 43-yard line of Auburn. Going to go deep. Man out there. And he's got it again to Mitchell Tinsley. Second down and goal. Clifford with a run all the way. Clifford, touchdown, Penn State. Finley rolling to throw. Look out from behind. Just had him. And he threw an interception. Singleton. Touchdown, Penn State. Number 10 did it all. Singleton. Not in check. 
Singleton down the sideline, turns on the burners all the way to the five-yard line. Here comes Singleton. He might be gone. There goes Singleton. There goes Singleton. I'm even. I'm leaving. Touchdown. Was that James Franklin's most impressive win as head coach of the Nittany Lions? I sure as hell think so. For the first time since he's taken over as head coach, they actually blew out a team on the road, let alone an SEC team on the road. Absolutely blew them out of the water. And it was because of something so foreign to us Penn State fans. They were able to actually control the line of scrimmage. They were actually able to run the ball effectively. Not just an 80-yard pop and then you have 30, 40 yards total afterwards. No, they were able to run the ball four, five, six yards a carry. Plus, they did, in fact, end up getting a couple of big runs, 50, 60-yard runs from freshman phenom Nick Singleton, who I believe is the second coming of Saquon Barkley. Just a very talented, generational-type back. Gatorade player of the year in high school last year. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal talent uh, out of the state of Ohio. That was a hell of a job of James Franklin and his staff recruiting, recruiting that kid to bring him into Happy Valley. And we sure as hell needed that type of player back in State College. We finally found it at Nick Singleton. The offensive line just flat-out controlled the line of scrimmage. The, on the other side of the ball, the defense was able to control the line of scrimmage as well. Besides for a couple runs, Auburn couldn't establish anything on the ground. You know, majority of their rushing yards came from quarterback scrambles where, he was, uh, where the quarterback was running around for his life. Penn State was able to force turnovers. Um, You know, they just weren't handed these turnovers. Penn State created them themselves. They forced and pressed the issue on defense. And they were able to do it what it seemed like at will. It was just such an impressive win from top to bottom. 41-12 victory. And they handed Auburn their worst home loss since 1982. Now, you can say all you want how bad Auburn is, and that's the reason why Penn State blew him out of the water. Well, here's the thing. In Franklin's entire Penn State career, he's 19 and 18 on the road. You know, all signs leading into this game had this game being a nail-biter from start to finish. Because Franklin, under Penn State, Franklin hasn't been able to put up those impressive wins over the road in his career at Penn State. Just simply hasn't been able to do it. Look no further than a couple weeks ago, back to Purdue. 38-35 to victory. You know, it took a game-winning drive the, uh, you know, in the last minute of the game to, to win it over Purdue. Uh, you date back to last year, where they had a nail-biter on the road against Wisconsin to open up the year. Just historically speaking, Penn State doesn't do well on the road under Franklin. But this past Saturday was different. And it was different because they were able to control and establish the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. You know, Sean Clifford, for as much as I've been shitting on him so far this year, Sean Clifford 
has the potential to be good whenever he has a running game. Whenever he whenever he can just throw it 20 to 25 times a game, that's max that's maxing out Sean's Clifford potential. You know, if you're expecting Sean Clifford to drop back 40 times a game and consistently win you games and against big time programs like Ohio State and Michigan, he's not going to do it. He doesn't have it in him. You know, despite him being a six-year senior, him playing against 18- to 19-year-olds, he just simply doesn't have it in him, doesn't have the skill set to be able to put the whole team on his back. And that's why last week in my last episode, that's why I was referring to having Drew Aller step in as quarterback because I thought at that time he gave Penn State the the best uh, possibility of creating an upset over Ohio State or Michigan. But if... Penn State can continue to develop their run game and their offensive line play these next two weeks here against Central Michigan and Northwestern, both at home. A Sean Clifford-led team with uh, established running game is dangerous for any team that plays Penn State. You know, Sean Clifford, he's old enough and can uh, you know knows the game well enough to where as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, as long as he's consistently you know just hitting his receivers when he has to, only throwing it uh, twenty to twenty five times a game, being the ultimate game manager, that's the win Penn State. Penn, that's the win Penn State a lot of games this year. They have if if they can consistently do this, uh, if they can consistently play on offense how they played against Auburn the rest of the year. Instead of being a 7-8 win team, like I said last week, Penn State has the potential to be back like they were a few years ago and being a 10-11 win team. And unlike Mike Tomlin, I got to give James James Franklin credit on assembling this, you know, this what appears to be a very, very good football team right now. Now, at the same point, you know, I'm not heralding Penn State as, you know, oh, they got a guaranteed shot and make it to the Big Ten championship game. Oh, they definitely have a realistic chance of making it to the college football playoff. I'm not saying that. You know, this team, although they played really well against Auburn, despite for Sean Clifford, this team lacks a lot of experience. You know, they are loaded with talent, but all of their really good talent is either in their first or second year in college. You know they're fairly they're fairly young across the board. They're all the running backs are young. Their offensive line is young. The defensive front, their front seven is young, but they are extremely talented, and that's going to bode well not just for this year, but for the next couple years um, coming up. And it just feels good to finally get to see uh, a Penn State team being able to. Just finally, just kick the living shit out of someone. You know that's not an Ohio or a Central Michigan type team. It's fun to see. It's you know watching that game. You know usually I'm there shouting and screaming at the TV. I was there completely quiet the whole game because my jaw was so open seeing the pure dominance that Penn State handed Auburn on uh, Saturday afternoon. That was so much fun to watch. I'm hoping and expecting more of it. And despite what I said last week, if they can keep this up in establishing the run game, controlling the line of scrimmage, they have a realistic shot now 
of upsetting either Ohio State or Michigan. They have a realistic shot of having a 10 or 11 win year. But that's only if they continue to play like this. As soon as Clifford goes into a game where they're struggling on offense and running the ball, and he has to throw it 30 times, 40 times a game, that's when you start to worry about Penn State. But as long as this effort continues to arise, as long as the performance we saw last Saturday continue to continues to grow, watch out. Penn State may very well be back. So before we end today's show, now is a perfect time for me to give my madness bet of the week. Now, last week, I picked the under in the Steelers-Patriots game. That indeed hit, so I am a perfect 1-0 on the season. And this week, I feel like I'm going to be 2-0 as well, uh, taking the over in the Buffalo-Miami game. Uh, It's set at 52.5 right now, but as we all know, Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills, they are probably the best offense in the NFL right now. You know they'll be putting up a lot of points on the board. And Miami. Now, I don't think they'll be putting up the numbers that we saw last week against the Ravens, but I do think that they are a good enough offense, especially in garbage time, if the game goes that way, to put up a couple scores on the board late in the game. So take the over, put some extra money in your pocket, you won't regret it, and that is my madness bet of the week. So with that being said, am I right about Mike Tomlin being the root problem behind the Steelers' woes, not just this year, but the past several several years? And am I right about Penn State indeed being back to becoming a powerhouse in the Big Ten? We'll find out in the next coming weeks. This is Tony Montreal signing off from Montreal Madness. Have a great weekend, everyone.